And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails, and I am so excited about today's broadcast because not only is Molly with us, how you doing, Mal? Awesome. How are you doing? If I was doing any better, I'd be in heaven because <laughs> we're going to uncover a mystery in the scriptures in John chapters 9, 10, and 11. It, oh. has, it has escaped me for 40 years, and this week was the week that God allowed me to see the hidden mystery revealed. And so... We're going to go right to John chapter 9. If you're not driving your vehicle, you can turn in the Bible with us. This is the man that was born blind, and Jesus is about to have a discussion with him. Now, Molly, before we get started, do you uh, have any, I don't know, history with this text, any background? Well, this is actually one that we just recently did a blog post on, so I was able to edit that and learn more about the story through that narrative. So I, I'm i really excited about this podcast in particular because it was a really enjoyable post, and I think it'll be kind of fun to see where we take it. Where do you, where do you see the connection with John chapter 10 and John chapter 11? Then it even mm. gets better, and 11 is where Lazarus dies and the connection between all of it is so amazing. In fact, I came across this very unusual verse this morning. It's where the disciples talk to Jesus about him going back to Jerusalem area where he's going to go and heal Lazarus, raise him from the dead. And they say to him, um, Jesus, uh, don't you remember a few days ago they tried to stone you? I think maybe we should just kind of stay, stay here. And you know what Jesus says in response? What? He says... Are there not 12 hours in a day? And I'm like, hmm. what in the world does that mean? Are there not 12 hours in a day? You know, what I love about Jesus is that when you ask him a question, you can be sure he's never going to answer it the way that you can understand it just clearly, <laughs> right? And so, oh, yeah. Um, and Very which, un, unexpected and yeah, surprising. Makes you, makes you think. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing occurs in John chapter 9 with this blind man. Now, picture this. It says... Um, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. First of all, you know, the writer of this is John, right? And John was probably at this time that he's here, anywhere from 14 to 17 years of age. That's the general age that uh, scholars give him. Um, I think if when you were in Michael Card's class, he told you that John was probably around the age of 14, right? Yeah, and he had a theory that John was the cousin of Jesus. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Which would have made John and James cousins of Jesus, right? Yep. And he Mm. said that that kind of explains some of those sections where, you know, John was laying on Jesus's chest or Jesus was saying, the disciple whom I loved. And so for him to have been uh, younger kind of... Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It helps. It helps you kind of understand the background behind that. Besides this, like forty-two-year-old man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in verse two, it says his disciples asked. Now picture this: they're walking by. They see this man born blind. Uh, most likely, the man is begging for his for his food, or, or you know, some type of alms for the day. Can you imagine doing that your whole life? It's crazy. Yeah. Wouldn't that be such a difficult job? I mean. You, you have to be out there. His parents are not supporting him as much as they probably did when he was young. So now as, a, as an adult, he's out there begging for alms. And you could picture he probably the same persons, the same people 
go past him every day. You know, and we see the same today in our cities. You know, there's a lot of homeless people, and you see people that are out on the streets, on the corners, and, you know, in the busy highways, and they come to a red light, and there they are walking by asking for, for help. You know, and some people do it genuinely because they, they have needs, and some people do it as a business. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mention that because here the disciples, they're not, you know, Lord, let's give them some money or do this thing, but the, their approach to it is kind of interesting. Yeah, they're, they're wanting to know who sinned. Does this man sin? Did this man sin or his parents? Yeah, um, and, and although that might look like kind of a random question, that was kind of the understood, you know, thing of the day, right? They, yeah. Yep. They kind of understood that in the Old Testament where it was a sin problem, and so they probably didn't have a lot of compassion for these mm-hmm. people. Oh, interesting. So this man culturally in the society was looked down upon because his parents had obviously had sinned in some way that mm-hmm. caused this man's blindness. And Jesus answered and says, no, neither has this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, this is the beginning of a new theme, and it's called the works of God, um, because mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to find that in chapters 9, 10, and 11. And Jesus says this next. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Now, in John chapter 11, Jesus is going to bring that same theme up. Remember I told you earlier that um, the disciples say, Jesus, you can't go back to Jerusalem. They try to stone you there. And Jesus says, what? Are there not 12 hours in the day? We walk in the day because you have light that you can see and you won't stumble. Mm -hmm. And so this whole theme, Molly, I'm so excited about this, especially I'm (laughs) I'm excited about it for you because you're a young, young lady. You have your whole life ahead of you, but you have to figure out God's will for your life, for your future. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to get, is marriage next? Becoming a wife, becoming a mom, is career next? Are you supposed to be a leader? Are you supposed to continue to be a writer? I mean, maybe you can do both, but you have to be able to discern what is the work that God has designed for you to do. God has designed for each of us to do a work for him, to, mm. to pursue and to expand his kingdom, okay? This is so cool. Molly, I, I think I've mentioned this maybe a long time ago. There was a, a young boy who, um, he, his, his head had, um, I think it was encephalitis, and his head had tripled and quadrupled eventually its size, so, so much so that the boy could not pick his head off the bed. And um, his parents... We're wealthy, a doctor after doctor. Do you remember me telling you this story? Yeah, yeah, I think we mentioned it on the podcast before. Okay, so I won't go into detail. Anyways, the boy gets saved, and he asked the doctor that led him to Christ, what could he possibly do? And the doctor plainly tells him that his assignment is to be patient and kind and loving to those who will attend to him, to show them Jesus' love even though his assignment is extremely difficult. And this boy was was a savage, you know, he bit people, spit at people, and here he is being totally transformed, and he has this new assignment in life. So whether the man that is blind um, is healed or not, Jesus has an assignment for each of us. And this mm-hmm. assignment for this man was not because 
It was not a result of his sin. His assignment was to be patient and wait for the time that God would use him in a mighty way. And this is it. This is his day. And that says this in verse 5. As long, Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And so God brings light into people's lives at certain times. Now, he, he's always doing something in our lives, but there are certain times when he really shines the light on. And during that time is when we need to step forward. Now, this man that's born blind, he doesn't know what's about to take place in his life, but it is going to be life transforming if, if, and if, if, I have to say if so many times, if he responds in faith. You ready? Mm -hmm. Verse six, Jesus, when Jesus had thus spoken, now picture this, the blind man is sitting there begging for alms. The disciples say, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus is carrying on this conversation, okay? He doesn't really direct his, his speech to the blind man that we know of. He's just having a conversation with the disciples. But the blind man is right there. And after he says these words that he's going to work the works of, of God that sent him, he spits on the ground, makes clay of the spittle, and then he anoints the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And so picture this, Molly. You're blind. You're, you're on the corner of the street begging for alms every day. And all of a sudden, you overhear this conversation this theological conversation, and then all kind of, of a sudden, awkward because it's about me. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, this you hear someone spit. You can't see him do it, but you hear him spit, right? <laughs> you know, I am the light of the world. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did he just do? <laughs> and then not only that, not only that, but a lot of people probably have spit on this man before, right? Mm. I mean, man, yeah, yeah. This man's a sinner. That people don't like him probably. So then Jesus takes the spittle and the clay and he anoints the guy's eyes. Now, if I'm this guy, you know, and all of a sudden this started happening to me, I'm going to be saying like, um, excuse me, um, what are you doing? <laughs> or or is, this, um, is this an organic substance you're putting on my eyes? Is there any, G- <laughs> any GMO in it, you know? So, right. So really, I mean, who's going to just allow someone who just spit on the ground to put it over his eyes? You know, I it's wonder, like, like transporting into this story, you've got you know the disciples who are like, okay, so was it his parents or him who sinned? He probably heard stuff like that all the time. And so hearing that and then Jesus saying, no, 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 this man hasn't sinned or his parents, but like this is a part of my plan. And so... I don't know. I, I almost wonder if that sparked a little bit of hope in this man where he's like, whoa, someone's not treating me like dirt. Mm-hmm. No, and no, this guy's putting dirt on my eyes. <laughs> he's putting dirt on me. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, just I, I wonder if there was a little bit of that where he's like, huh, there's something about this guy that is different and he might see something in me that I don't see myself. Mm. I, I think you're right. Something is allowing this man... Something is urging this man to allow Mm -hmm. Jesus to do something that just is out of context and just doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense, you know? And and picture, picture, you know, your eyes are closed, Molly, and all of a sudden someone who you don't know is putting this wet, gooey substance on your eyelids. (laughs) Isn't your first reaction to draw back? 
Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's really weird and confusing. Like, this is not a normal occurrence. <laughs> so there, there had to have been something going on. And I love the way the Bible is written where it's not giving you every single detail. It gives you just enough information where you can piece things together and kind of allow the story to unfold itself before you. Because what happens to this young man he he goes and washes in the pool. Like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. That's actually crazy. Like, he's got all this time in the day to just go and jump in the water and try something out. <laughs> so we don't know how far away the pool of Siloam is. But what we do know is that when Jesus anoints this guy's eyes, he says to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I mean... It doesn't say that Jesus and the disciples went with him. In fact, um, it, it gives a good indication that they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if anyone was with this man. So probably this man knows how to get there. Maybe he's got a walking stick. You know, they don't have the they don't have the um, you know the dots in the sidewalks back then. So this man is blind, and Jesus just plainly tells him, commands him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So mm-hmm. again, if you're if you're blind and you've been there all these years, and this man does something just kind of odd and anoints his eyes with mm-hmm. spittle and clay, and then says, "Go wash in the pool of Siloam," I'd be asking questions like, um, "Can you take me there? Uh, do you, um, do, why do I have to do this? Is there any Who water? Who are near? you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah." And so the man obeys Jesus. So again... You think I'm going to just go and get wet for no reason? Like, yes, I want to get the mud off my eyes, but like, just jump in? (laughs) Yeah. So there's two things going on here. Number one, he allows Jesus to touch him. Number two, Mm. he he obeys immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, He says he went his way, therefore, and he washed and he came seeing. So he's healed immediately. The neighbors, Mm -hmm. therefore, (laughs) say... This is amazing. They which before had seen him that was blind said, is this not the man that sat and begged? Some said, <laughs> this this is him. And others said, no, it's someone like him, but I don't think it's him. And he said, I'm he, I'm he, this is me. I'm the man. <laughs> you know, What's you know, wrong with you people? It's me. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. You know, there he is. You know, and, and and people are looking at him going, no, I don't think it's him. Yeah, I think it's him. No, I am him. I'm him, you know. Therefore, I love this guy. Through this whole story, his personality is oh, hilarious. Isn't it? I, re- oh. I really like him. Me too. He's He's got a bit of sarcasm in him, and he doesn't care what others think. He's just going to say He's a new believer, like you know? Yeah, yeah. It's really exciting. Well, a little actually, rough around okay, the edges. Well, let's, let's talk about that. I don't think <laughs> he is a believer yet. Ooh. Okay. I think he's let's, just ex- let's find out. Yeah, I think he's just experienced a miracle and mm-hmm. he's obeyed, but I don't think he knows Jesus as his Lord and Savior yet, and I don't think he possesses eternal life. I think he is on the precipice of that. Mm-hmm. Like many people are that don't follow through entirely. They receive, you know, they cry out to God and they ask God for a miracle, they and they get it but they mm-hmm. don't follow through in giving their entire life to him. So let's see how that oh, that's pl- good. let's see how that plays out. Therefore said they unto him, um, if that's you, then how is it that you can see? Verse 10. And he answered and said to them, a man that is called Jesus. So he knows that it was Jesus, right? But mm. he doesn't but he doesn't know who this man is. 
He just says, Mm -hmm. a man that is called Jesus. So the disciples must have been talking to Jesus and used his name. And it says, he made clay and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received my sight. So he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. And he's, now he can see. And then they said unto him, well, where is he? And he said to him, I don't know. So this is so cool because, you know, they're, they're, everyone wants to know who, where this Jesus is. And Jesus does the miracle and he just kind of disappears. And mm-hmm. the, the, so if I just got healed, right? What, right. what, am, what am I going to do, Molly? Mom, Dad, look. Yeah. I no, would, I, I guess yeah. that would be me. <laughs> what would you do? You'd find Jesus? Um, yeah, I think my first attempt to my new reality is going to be to find the man that just healed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to thank him, right? And <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't really need to know how he did it. I just need to go and thank him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so he goes, I don't know where he is. And so they brought him to the Pharisees. Um, that was blind. And, and now he can see, obviously. And it was on the Sabbath day when Jesus made... Oh, the, no. I know. Not the Sabbath day. So, again, these stories are not just stories. These stories are teaching theological truths. So mm-hmm. Jesus is going to defy their thinking of what the Sabbath day is all about. And it says that... Uh, I love the way they repeat the miracle. It says, It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked the blind man who now can see how he received his sight. And they Molly, by the way, five times they asked this man altogether. The, the Pharisees, um, I think they asked three direct times, the friends another time, but altogether five times they're asking this man how he received a sight. And he, mm-hmm. says, and he says to them, he put clay on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. So this is like very monotonous. Yeah, it keeps saying the same thing. Five times they're going to say this. Mm, um, crazy. There, therefore, they said on, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not of God. Because he keeps not the Sabbath day. <laughs> this, this is so funny, right? <laughs> they, like, oh no, if people hear about this, they might start to believe in him. So <laughs> ooh, there is a catch. It was on the Sabbath day. Yeah, but not only that, but picture this. This is the first time in human history that it has ever been known that a man that was blind, born blind, can see. It's never happened before. They're you trying would, to shove it under the rug. But more than that, you would think that even the blind Pharisees would be like, this is a miracle to celebrate. I mean, what happened? How did this happen? This is incredible. Everyone come around. This guy was blind. Now he can see. Wouldn't you be telling everybody? I mean, you wouldn't be able to, to stop talking about it. You know, I, I've shared this before. I'll never forget the time when I had this tumor on my wrist. And it was about the size of a quarter in diameter and about a half an inch high. So it was getting... It was getting pretty troublesome to me. Um, it, it wasn't affecting, it didn't hurt, but it was growing, and it was growing fast. And I was like, yikes, I'm going to have to go to the doctors. Is it cancerous? Whatever. And Molly, you know that I'm theologically conservative, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't believe in the sign gifts today, and you know, but if, if God wants to do one of those sign gifts, I'm fine with that. God can do whatever he wants to do, but I'm, I'm just conservative and believe that, you know, when 
God wants to heal, he will heal. I'll follow his commandments. But, you know, I, I don't believe that people have the power to heal today unless God wants to do the healing. So I was in church, a conservative church, and this lady's there, and she sees me holding my wrist. And she says, what's wrong? And I said, I've got this tumor growing on my wrist. And she looked at me and she goes, can I pray for you? And she held my wrist and she started praying like I have never heard anyone pray before. And it lasted for a good three minutes. I mean, I felt like she was bringing heaven down to earth. It was really a prayer. And um, anyways, so I'm thankful, you know, but I'm not expecting anything to change. And I'm, I'm in finishing the church service. I get in my car, bring people home after church, and then I go out to lunch. And as I'm sitting there at lunch, I'm eating a sandwich, and I look down at my wrist, and the tumor is gone. And That's I crazy. am blown away. And there was someone with me, and I'm like, hey, look look at my wrist. I'm like, this is crazy. I, I, M- Molly, do you remember this story when this happened? Absolutely, I do, yeah. Okay, so this is what, a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I'd say about two years ago. Yeah. I could not stop talking about it. I was telling complete strangers what had just happened to me because it was so profound. And that was just a little thing. Can you imagine being born blind and then seeing? It, 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 you wouldn't be able to stop talking about it. But here, the Pharisees, they don't even see the miracle. All they'd see is that he broke the Sabbath, maybe. Mm-hmm. So what happens in verse 16? It says, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about this man? He that opened your eyes. And he said, he's a prophet. So here's the, that's the, I think the fourth time they're asking him like, how did he do this? Who is this man? But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. So this is really funny. Now they're like denying the fact that the guy was even born blind. So what did they do? They're going to get mom and dad to back it up. And what do the parents say? Yep, this is our son. And they say to the parents like, well, tell us how this happened. (laughs) I like this, verse 19. And they asked them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And it says this, the parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we don't know. And we don't know who opened his eyes. He's of age, ask him. He'll speak for himself. Now, the reason the parents do this is because they know that if anyone confesses that Jesus is the Christ, they're going to be put out of the synagogue. And that's what it says in verse the end of verse 22. Molly, do you know what happens when you're put out of the synagogue? Uh, you're kind of excommunicated, right? Like nobody really talks to you. You're, you've lost the support from the church and you're a castaway. Yeah. It, well, back then from the synagogue, um, you're a castaway. You're not allowed to engage in the economy. So you're losing all of your economic support. You're losing your social support, relational support. I doubt that he's even going to be able to go home with his parents. And so this guy has nowhere to live. Um, well, not yet, right? Well, this is the same day. Um, the same later, later on, he'll be cast out. 
Oh, right. He's right. Right. Yeah, exactly. But the parents know that if he, if they, if they say that Jesus is the one that did this and they, they appear to be followers of Jesus, they are going to be put out of the synagogue. So, so they've got kind of a monopoly on, on people. And so they can put some fear of man in them to make them say whatever they want them to say to fit their agenda. And that's why in verse 24, they, they say like, hey, give praise to God. This man's a sinner. And the, the man that was blind that now sees says, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. That's then beautiful. they said, I love that. I know, isn't that a gorgeous statement? Mm-hmm. Uh, then they said to him, what did he do to you? <laughs> how, did he, how did he open your eyes? <laughs> so there's just... I, I love these Pharisees. They're just so they 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 want to just continue continue to probe and try to find mm-hmm. something like did he actually do work? You know, did he speak it or did he actually do something? And well, he, it's interesting because um, from what I understood, if they if you spit, that's work, and the man leaves out that part of the story. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you're right. You spit. Go he, to the bathroom, he just says he made he made clay. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been a violation of the Sabbath according to their tradition, not according to God's. Mm-hmm. Verse twenty seven, he answered them and said, I told you already, and you did not and you did not hear me. Wherefore, would you hear me again? Are you trying to be his disciples? <laughs> Molly, do you love it or what? <laughs> he's he's being a little sarcastic here. He's like oh, yeah. you keep asking me the same question and I already told you. What is it? Do you really want to be his disciple? Uh, and they reviled. Yeah, he's got some. He's, also, he's got some grit. <laughs> yeah. Then they reviled him and said, "You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples." This is such a childish response on the part of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that God spoke unto Moses, but we don't know where this man came from. The blind man who's now healed answered and said unto them, "Why?" It's a marvelous thing that I can see right now. And you don't know where he, where he is and where he came from and how he opened my eyes. So he's saying to them, this thing has never happened in human history. And all you care about is where he came from. I now think we, he's saying, yeah, that it's a marvelous thing that these men are like, you know, we're of Moses and this man is of who knows where. And he's like, well, that's marvelous because this man opened up my eyes and you you have no understanding. Unpack like, that, Molly. I think you're pretty on, obvious. I think you're onto something. That's really good. Say that again. Uh, well, he says, why? Well, here is a marvelous thing that you do not know where from where he is. So they were like, you know, we are Moses' disciples. We don't know where this guy comes from. And so he's like, well, that's that's rather astounding because he comes along and he says, you know, a lot more than that. He says, I'm the light of the world and all of the stuff that we have the background to. And so then he opens this man's eyes and he's like, and yet, yet you look at that 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 act and you're like, I don't know where he is from. Like. They're acting more blind than he is. Oh, yeah. Or was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love about verse 32. It says, the man, the blind man who now can see says, since the world began, it's not been heard that a man, um, any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said unto him, you were altogether born in sins. That goes right back to the beginning. That's their thought of the day. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It says, do you teach us 
And they yeah, because kept- he kind of waxes elegant a little bit from verses 30 to 32 because he's bringing up scripture and he's saying things that are biblically true after they've just like twisted it, distorted it to fit their own agenda. Yep. And they're supposed yep. to be the ones teaching it. And he's the one being like, hey, we know God hears not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth do him well, his will, he hears. So he's like the one who's got this crazy knowledge of scripture. Yeah, he gets it. He gets it. Of course yeah. he gets it, right? He's been blind yeah, all these years. But now you know, he sees. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I love this next part. Okay, we're coming to the dramatic conclusion of chapter 9. Um, so they cast him out, and which is, can you imagine receiving the greatest blessing of your life, and within a few minutes later, you receive one of the greatest losses? Mm. Talk about up and down, right? And so this has got to be a pretty serious moment in this man's life. This is... This is a defining moment, a turning point. He's, he heard Jesus' voice. He obeyed him. He doesn't yet really know him personally. And now he is cast out. He is out on his own. And I don't think he what's, can go home. What's interesting, too, is that you know each time he's interrogated, it seems like his faith starts to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Like, the first time he says, this man healed me, and then he says, this prophet, and then he says, hey, why are you saying this man's not of God? Like, And then he even goes a step further and, and saying all those things, and that's what gets him cast out. So as they keep challenging his faith, it only serves to make it stronger. That's what mm. the opposition is doing. Mm-hmm. And then he gets cast out, and I love this next section. Yeah, but Molly, don't you think, though, that as he's been cast out, though, this is... He doesn't know if he's ever going to see Jesus again, and he has lost. You know, he he had to beg before. Now he's going to have to beg again. Mm-hmm. the o- The only way that he's going to be able to survive being cast out is to either, you know, travel abroad and go to a different country, which wouldn't be easy. He doesn't have any money to support himself right now. Where is he going to go from here? He doesn't have any place to live. He doesn't have any food to eat. He is cast out. This is a very serious thing, and so. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that he is probably going through some deep um, reservations about what what's next. I love this. It says, Jesus heard that they cast him out, and Jesus went to find him. Hmm. Isn't that something? Um, mm-hmm. When there's one lost sheep, he'll leave the 99 and go and find the one that's lost. Mm-hmm. And And he says this. I love this. He finds him and says, do you believe on the Son of God? Wow. That's that's all he asks. Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said unto him, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, You have you hast both seen him, and it is he that talks with you. Seems rather simple, right? <laughs> yeah. Except for the little detail that it's past tense, you have seen him. This is called in the Greek a perfect present indicative. Hmm. So thou hast both perfect present indicative, which means something that has happened in the past that continues up to this very moment. You ready? I'm so ready. This means that Jesus is saying to this man that you have already, in the past, seen me. 
But how? He was blind. Right, right, right. And he went to the pool by himself and he was healed by himself, presumably. Um, He has never physically seen Jesus yet. Right. But But yet Jesus says to him, you have already seen me. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, verse 38 says, and he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. You see, in the beginning, Jesus puts the salve on his eyes and then commands him to go and to wash in the pool, and the man obeys. That obedience required someone to experience by faith, to entrust someone by faith that he believed with all his heart. That word for see here, you have seen, is not the usual word for seen. Usually it's the word blepo, ido. This, neither of those words in Greek. This is a different word that carries the idea to experience. Molly, there's a lot of people today that are praying for a miracle, asking God to help them heal their marriage, mm-hmm. heal their, their lives, to, to do something. Lord, help us, help us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we come to the place where we can entrust ourselves fully to God and have that kind of faith, that's what it means to see God. Jesus is telling this man, you started well. You have already seen me. Mm. And I love this next part. You ready? Mm -hmm. And it is he that talks with you now. Can you imagine this man is looking straight at Jesus and he says like, when did I see you first? When, when, when I heard your voice, when I heard your voice is when I really saw you. We don't have to be, Molly, the Pharisees are the ones that can see physically, but they are blind spiritually. This man, this man who was born blind was able to see spiritually. Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. And he, and he says to the Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. What happens when we truly see, truly seeing the hand of God in our lives always leads to worship. That's how you know that you're walking by faith because you're so thankful for what God is doing that you're able to express that in great worship to a God who has allowed you to see his hand in your life, his work that he's doing. And that's what Jesus has been trying to tell them all along. You Mm -hmm. can't see me because you don't believe the works that I'm doing in your life. God Mm -hmm. is doing works in all of our lives all of the time, but we're so spiritually blind, we can't see them. And as a result, we can't give thankfulness and proper worship to God for what he is doing. The little things in life that he brings our way. There's so many. Molly, there are so many that if we were able to count them, all the books in the world could not be filled with them, or all of the books in the world yeah, could not be filled with them. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, that, you know how this whole thing ends. It ends with, you know, the Pharisees coming to the conclusion, but Jesus tells them that if you were blind, you would have no sin, but now you say we see, therefore your sin remains in you, and you are truly mm-hmm. blind. But, and we're going to end here. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. That leads us to chapter 10, and we're going to do this next time. But chapter 10 begins with, guess what? Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
He that enters not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Molly, for decades, I never saw the connection between John chapter 10 and the blind man in John chapter 9. What Jesus is saying about the shepherd, the door, and the sheepfold has everything to do with the blind man who was put out of the synagogue, who now has, guess what? A new home. Oh. And he that was blind can now see, because for him, believing is seeing. Molly, so excited to do this with you next time. On Fasten Like Nails, thanks for being with me. And folks, if you want to study John chapter 10 before our next broadcast, I would encourage you to do so because it is hair-raising, life-changing, and totally unexpected truth that's going to come our way. And praise God, change our lives once again. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Molly. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. Sometimes your life is going by so fast, you miss people in the blur around you. I'll be an old man and nobody comes to visit me. People who are wounded. He went off to war and I never heard from him again. People lost in the blur. But now comes a story that will awaken your heart. Lamplighter Theater presents A Extraordinary Little Maid. You'll fall in love with Peggy Perkins. I ain't got a soul. <laughs> what have you been doing with it? What have you been doing with yours? I gave it to the Lord Jesus. Oh. My missus told me there'd be some souls sick unto death, and I believe yours is quite dead. Give the story to others to open their eyes as well. You're the first person I've ever met in my life that cared for my soul. A extraordinary little maid will awaken your heart to the people in the blur. To order Extraordinary Little Maid, go to lamplighter.net, lamplighter.net.